are you guys? Good. Good to see you guys here. Hey, um, I just want to put something out there. Uh, if you guys are watching online, uh, it'd be great to have you in here at times, too. I feel like we have a lot of people that um, we always have. Do you guys realize that we always have kind of a reason to not be here, especially living here in Rhode Island? Would you guys agree with that? Um, sometimes it can be a challenge to find a reason to show up at church. I, I, especially for this series, though, I want to get that out there. We regularly will be going through things that, um, man, this stuff is important. Uh, would you agree? Um, you know, I started out this series by saying we live in two worlds. We live in uh, the physical world that we're very well aware of, and we live in the spiritual world. And we really need to pay attention to how we prepare to live in that spiritual world well and how to navigate it well. And uh, this is one of those places that hopefully is a weekly kind of anchor point for you of, um, that you can come and just be reminded of that and be equipped for that so that as you go on into your week and out into your day, as you're navigating those two worlds, that it becomes something that is helpful to you. So I, I hope this, uh, this series has been good uh, for you in that, in that uh, way. Um, it's good to be here. It's good to worship Jesus together. It's good to be with his people uh, you know, I want to ask you guys this morning as we start out, have you guys ever been in a situation where you're in like a shopping, uh, you know, shopping at, at the supermarket or something and you're walking down that aisle and they always have a tile there and every once in a while they'll have a patent that says, you know, one of those little signs that says, you know, beware because it's slippery, right? But have you ever been walking down one of those aisles and you unexpectedly discover one of those places that they just mopped and they didn't put the tent up, right? You know what I'm talking about? right, that feeling, or you've been walking down the street in the wintertime and you hit that patch of ice that, that you didn't see, or else maybe um, I like to go hiking, I like going up in the mountains, and anytime I can get a chance or going out into the woods and you're crossing a stream and you go to step on that rock and you find it has just a little too much moss on it, right? If you've ever had something like that happen, you know what it feels like, that panic that sets in inside, Right? where all of a sudden your, your brain's trying to figure out why didn't that foot stay where I put it? And, and it's trying to figure out why is that body going four directions all at one time when I wanted to go that way, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us that that feeling, that condition is the very condition that our spirit is in when it's not on solid ground. That's the condition of our spirit. It's that panicked kind of, out of control, unmanageable, free fall feeling. And the problem is, is that many times we don't know any differently because we've never been on spiritual solid ground. And so many times we just think, well, that's just part of life. You just have this kind of sense that everything's unmanageable and you have that looming dread in the back of your head. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this thing. And you have that anxiety that's always kind of plaguing you in the background. God says that he did not intend for us to live that way. He intended for us to know peace. And peace is not that feeling. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been looking at this, we've been in this series on spiritual warfare, and we've been looking at Ephesians chapter six, and it talks about that the, the weapons and the, the armor that God gives us to equip ourselves with to navigate this world, and not just a world, but a war that's going on in the spiritual world, and he, to navigate it well. And he says in Ephesians 6.15, he says, the thing that will give us sure footing in this battle will be 
what he calls the steadiness that comes, it's found in the gospel of peace. The steadiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now that, that gospel, that message, that good news message of peace, he talks about it in Ephesians 2. And so we're gonna start there. Let's stand together. We're gonna listen to these words from Ephesians 2, verse 12 to 22. It's about the peace that God, that message of peace that he has gotten out and established in us. Remember that at that time you were isolated from Christ. So this is talking about before we knew Jesus. At that time you were isolated from Christ, alienated from participation in the life of God's people, foreigners in regard to the covenants and promises and having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups. Now he's talking about two groups. He's talking about his people, the Jewish people, the the nation of Israel, and he's talking about all those who were outside of that. So he had chosen this nation, and then he had all the other nations of the Gentiles. And he says, he himself is our peace, who made both those groups into one new group, (laughs) broke down the, the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing in his flesh the hostility, which is the law of commandments that are contained in ordinances, so that in himself he may make the two groups into one new humanity, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, having put that hostility to death through the cross. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Amen? You are no longer strangers and aliens. Now you are fellow citizens with the saints. And you are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the very cornerstone. In whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you, have also, you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Did you hear the unsteadiness at the beginning? We were drifting without hope, and without God in this world. And then the steadiness, that, that steadiness that's in the, in, that it kind of shifts in the middle, where he says, but now, now we're being built on a, a solid foundation of the apostles and the prophet, Jesus Christ being the very cornerstone. And you yourself are becoming one of those solid stones that are put into place that then others are built upon as well. Unshifting. So from that place of drifting to that place of steadiness that we are becoming built into this this temple, this house in which the spirit of God dwells. You guys, that's the good news, right? That's the, the good message of the steadiness that is found in the gospel of peace. That's the steadiness that we're gonna need to hold our ground when the enemy presses against us. That's the steadiness we're going to need when we try and take ground, whether it's in our lives or in this world, for the kingdom and bring it into the peace that God intended. That's the steadiness of the gospel of peace. Today's message is titled, Finding Our Footing. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the work that you're gonna do in this place today. 
Thank you for the way that if we look to you, you will, you will open our eyes and you'll open our ears, you'll open our hearts so that we can see you, that we can hear you, that we can understand what you're saying. And you're going to transform us today because you're going to speak to us. Your spirit is here to speak to us about your peace, to speak to us about this new place that we find ourselves, this place that is solid, this place that where we were in this pit and we were in this miry clay and we were all mire, or we were just losing our balance and God, you have set our feet on a rock that does not move. You've made us to be those who stand steady and solid, confident in your grace, in this new transformation that is happening in us, in the peace that has been established in us, through us, for us, in Jesus' name. So Father, we give you this time and this space and we invite your spirit to come and to, to join us in this time. Jesus, come and walk among us. Speak to each one of us the things that our heart needs to hear so that we might hear your word and be transformed by it. We pray this so, Father, you would receive the glory that you deserve, that your word would have the effect that it was meant to have when you sent it out, that, Jesus, you would receive the glory because you have given all things so that we might even have this amazing gift. Holy Spirit, you would be glorified as you take these things and you, you seal them into us as God's people, as God's children, as his own family. So bring all glory to you. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Have a seat. So I don't know how uh, you guys, your marriages and your relationships go, but for Carrie and I, uh, every once in a while, believe it or not, um, we'll have a disagreement. And... Um, Sometimes those disagreements will seem like they're never gonna resolve. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where it seems like you've, you've hit the end and there's no way out of this thing. And I wanna tell you, when, when that happens, my whole world seems to have lost its footing, right? Because suddenly you're in this place that you never intended to be you thought that things were going along fine. You thought it was just one foot in front of the other and suddenly you're up in the air and it's like you just hit that, that slick spot in that supermarket and, and you're not sure you're gonna recover your footing or whether you're just gonna go down. There are times in, there are times in my life where I, I, I felt like, you know, I didn't know that, I didn't know if God was with me anymore. I didn't know if he liked me. I didn't know if he, he cared about me. In fact, there were times in my life that I looked at me and I said, you know, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I've sinned too much, right? Maybe I've pushed him too far. Maybe he's finally drawn the line that I knew was coming. I knew this was coming because I've just, I, I've been pushing it too hard. And in those times, I felt like all of a sudden I didn't have any grounding. There are times even within even within myself, where I'll, I'll, I'll just, I don't know what brings this on, but you look in the mirror and you go, man, I don't even like who I am, right? I see the flaws, I see the failures, I see the things that I could be and I haven't been because I didn't work hard enough or I didn't, I, I, I see the missed opportunities or I see, and I look at me and I say, no, I, and in those times too, there's this disconnect. I feel like everything's gone out from under me. I feel like I don't have anywhere to stand, 
Isn't it interesting that whether it's a relationship with God, a relationship with others, a relationship even within ourselves, that when that's thrown into turmoil, we feel out of control. We feel like the ground has been just snatched out from under us. And we're not sure whether we're gonna land or not, whether we're gonna keep our balance. That's exactly why when Satan comes and when one of his kind of go-to plans for how he attacks us, he, he undermines our relationship with God. He'll try and throw um, questions into our relationship with others. He'll even get us to start to doubt the contentment, the, the, just the confidence in, in who we are, what we're, what we're here for, what our value is. And, and you see that he's been doing it for a long time, right? Because you look back all the way to the beginning, you look back to the, the first story of humanity in the book of Genesis, and what's there? Satan's there. Satan's there, and he's trying, to undermine, he's trying to undermine Eve. And so what does he attack first? Well, he tries to get her to believe that somehow God's holding out on her and Adam, right? So he's throwing these seeds of doubt into a relationship with God, We're trying to drive a wedge in there. He tries to get her, he says, hey, why don't you go ahead and take this, take this fruit? Now, who's not there at the time? Well, Adam's not there. This is her partner in life. This is her, the one who God said, the two of you, you're gonna cultivate, you're gonna keep, you're gonna watch over this place. But now he's, he's taking them apart and he says, hey, why don't you take this step first? Take this without him. Go ahead and, and do this thing. Kind of become almost like the leader in this thing where you kind of lead out and you kind of lead the way into this wonderful, but he, what's he doing? He's splitting them apart. He's starting to drive a wedge between even her and her husband. And we're gonna find in the rest of that story, you find he does, it just cuts a wedge between them. All of a sudden, they're accusing each other. They're tearing at each other. And what else does he do? He says to her, you know what? I wanna tell you all you could be, right? Because you could be like God. If you would just eat this thing, you could be like God. What does that do? Well, it starts to make her question whether she's adequate enough in who she already is. And what God has already created her to be, is there more that she should be striving for, that she, maybe that God's trying to hold out, but she should have, because this just isn't good enough anymore. And so the turmoil inside starts to steer. So there it is, again, undermines relationship with God, undermines relationship with others, undermines relationship, that's, that confidence even in, within herself. So when we read the Bible about how God counters this because in Ephesians it says that this is so that we might be equipped to resist the schemes of the devil, right? And if that's his scheme, then it makes sense that he would then want to try and equip us so that we can stand against that scheme. And how does he do that? It makes sense that he would do that through the gospel of the message of his peace, peace with God, peace with others, restoration, peace even within ourselves, and this message becomes that those, the spiritual shoes that we put on, right? The steadiness that comes from that message of peace becomes the, the, the steadiness that it, that it gives us, the grounding that we need. So when the enemy presses against us, we can push back and not slip. So that when we need to surge forward and take, take that ground that we have, the footing that we need. So what does uh, that peace look like? Well, in the passage that we read in Ephesians 2, Paul starts out and he really focuses a lot to start out. Um, he, the whole passage, it focuses on this relationship that we have with others. 
You go, well, doesn't it start with God? Yeah, we're gonna get there, but it's, he, he focuses on the relationship with others. Why? Because that's where the breakdown of peace shows up, isn't it? Right? I, you know, when I was preparing this message initially, I didn't know all that was gonna be going on in our world right now. But right now, if you look in our world, this literal scenario, the things that he, the very things that he is addressing are playing out. And the very people, the very groups that he's talking about is playing out between them. Because when we look in our world, where do we see peace break down? It, it breaks down in these relationships. It breaks down in the relationships with us and our spouse or us and our neighbor or us and our coworkers or us and our, the, the, the people that we're just walking down the street with or us, our nation and this nation or our group and that group, right? That's where it breaks down. So Paul starts there and he says, you know what? He's talking to these people in Ephesus and, and there were two groups in Ephesus. The one where the Jewish uh, people that had, had kind of migrated there in the diaspora, they had been kind of scattered all over the Roman Empire. So you had, you had this Jewish uh, group that they had known God for a long time. They had a whole history with them. And then you have the Gentile, the nations, the, the others who were there too, and they hadn't known God. And so they're in this place and he says, you know what? This division that came from God, it was a blessing that God called his holy people and, and he, he made himself known to them and it was supposed to be a blessing to all the nations. But he said, instead it became this hostility, it became a wall that stood between you because they knew God and you didn't. And they had promises and you didn't. And they got to, they got to enjoy the life of being God's people and you didn't. So this hostility rose up. On both sides, it became a wall. It says, and then Jesus came in and he tore down that wall. And one of the things that he did was, we look at this and, and the reality was this, is that you had this one group that never had a covenant with God. You had another group that had a covenant with God and they had a history with God, but the truth was, was that they were sitting in a broken covenant with God because they had broken it. That's all they had. They had this broken covenant. And so there wasn't a whole lot of, whole lot of hope that was going on with them too. They knew that they were sitting kind of under this, this place of this limbo between judgment and blessing and they didn't know how to deal with it. It says that Jesus came down and one, he broke down the wall between these two and he says, you know what? You both need a new place to stand. And so he made one new creation. He went, made one new humanity in himself through his death and through his resurrection. He brought them in as a new people of God. You guys... We need to realize that in our, our lineage as Adam and Eve's descendants, right? There are a lot of things that, that tear us apart. There are a lot of things that can be raised up as walls between us. It could be a creed, because even the best of creeds, the best of spiritualities, the best of religions can stand as a wall between us and them, right? But not just that. We have that. We have we have um, race, we have gender, we have family traditions and lines, we have interests that we, we, we have political parties, we have financial status, we have educational levels, and all these things that, that serve as these walls that come up in between us. And when we don't, you know, it's, when we don't find anything between us, we make stuff up, don't we? We're constantly, it's like, well, if there's nothing standing between us right now, I can think of something. And we do. And the resulting lack of peace. I mean, and this is the stuff that Satan stirs up because the resulting lack of peace causes spiritual chaos. Spiritual chaos, which then manifests in physical chaos. Why? Because we hate each other. 
We go into wars and bickering and battles. We're jealous of each other. We mock each other. We distrust each other. You guys, we compromise the things that we know are true in order to fit in, to somehow find a way to fit in with the group that we're with. We, we latch onto any fad that kind of runs by to make ourselves believe that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. We'll sit there and gossip and slander against others just to prove our loyalty to the group of people that we're with. And we'll talk badly about the people that are outside of that group to show our loyalty. But in doing that, in practicing these kind of underhanded things, we begin to wonder, well, can I even trust the people I'm with? Because how do I know what they're doing when I'm not around, right? And it just becomes chaos. And there is no solid ground to stand on. Jesus said he came to tear all that down so that we could know peace, peace with each other. Because peace peace with each other is part of what we're gonna need to have if we're going to stand firmly in the fight of our lives, in the spiritual battle that we're in. But the thing that we find about that unity that, that Christ built with us, we find in Ephesians 2 and everywhere else, that didn't come out of a vacuum. It's not just he came and he says, I need to fix all your relationships. Because our breakdown was because there's a primary relationship that was broken first. And the only reason that peace can be restored, the only way it's gonna be restored with us is if it's first restored between us and God. So Paul says, Jesus came to restore that peace with God. It says that we had been far off from God and isolated from Christ, but he came to those who were far away and he came to those who were near and he, he proclaimed his peace. He proclaimed this, res, this restoration. He said, you know what, there is a wall between you, it's been brought down, but only because there's a wall that was between you and God that's now been brought down, right? We know this, right? You guys, this is the part that we, who know these things, should actually be going, yeah, right, cheering, because this is the most amazing thing in the, in, the, in the cosmos that's ever happened, is that God would have reached out to those who had separated themselves from him, and he would pay the price to bring the wall down so we could be restored to him, but that's what he did. So in Jesus, there's no sins that stand between us and him anymore, they've been forgiven. And we go, how is that possible? I don't know, again, I don't know the math, I just know this is what he says and this is what happened. He took out all of the sins, anything that stood between us, anything that he brought down that wall. And he did it so that the walls between us and others could be taken down, but he did it so that he could restore the relationship that we were meant to have with him. You guys, Satan would love for you to believe that you Man, you're the one person that's really sinned just enough that God just said, okay, that that pushes my limit, they're out. He'd love for you to think that. He would love for you to think that that you're the one person that God doesn't talk to anymore because he's just, he's, he's tired of it. Or else he never loved you anyway, right? Because you just weren't, you weren't enough. And you guys, we don't need anybody else to tell us that we're not enough, we know that. But God keeps coming in and he, he comes in very clear. He says, because of what Jesus did, there is this unshakable, complete, finished peace that has been established between us and him, between us and God, and it cannot be undone. 
I love the picture that he gives over and over where he says, you know what? He paid this price with, with his own blood and you cannot outbid that, right? We, when we deal in, in similar things, like we say, you know, I'll bring my money, you bring yours and let's see who can outbid one another, right? But if I bring, if I bring my cash, my piggy bank and it has all my change in it, right? And you bring like this huge statue of gold. It's like, you know, I'm probably not gonna, I'm not gonna touch your bid. You can just keep going up. And he said, you know, he brought, he brought his own blood, the blood of the eternal son of God. He says, I lay this down on the table because I'm gonna have them back. I'm going to buy their freedom. And it can't be, out, it can't be outbid. He says, he bought our peace because we would need peace with God if we're going to stand firm in this battle that we have to fight. But then there's a third area that he says his peace is established. We can have peace within ourselves. We can have a peace within ourselves. Part of the brokenness that we received as a result of being descendants of Adam and Eve, and this is kind of part of the lineage that they, they handed down to us, the inheritance that we got, when they decided to become independent of God, we have lost any kind of clear and definitive voice that can answer the question in our lives, what am I here for, right? Who am I? What is my purpose? How am I doing at fulfilling my purpose? What is my value? And so we have to go through our lives, we have to go through our lives convincing ourselves that I can come up with my own answers to those questions. And I don't know for you guys, but that doesn't, I mean, I always know I'm, I'm lying, right? Or else we say, well, maybe somebody else will know. And we have to convince ourselves that somebody else has the right question or the right answer to that, those questions. Or else we listen to other voices, like the voices of those, those, those voices sometimes in our head, but the voices of the demons that are speaking, whispering in our ear, yeah, you have no value. You're worth nothing. You have no purpose. You're not, who are you? You're just another loss, right? Those voices that are going on, or the voice of our culture that says, no, this is who you have to be. You have to fit in this mold, or the voice of our age, or the voice of the advertisers that are out there, that you're a consumer and you just gotta buy, right? All these voices that are coming in, and what we're looking for is where is that definitive voice that will tell me who I am, what I'm here for, how am I doing? What is my value in this place? And Jesus comes in. In Jesus, we find the one who can finally tell us in a definitive and authoritative way. Listen, I, I, I come as the one who is the fullness of the one who created you. The one who created the whole cosmos and I wanna tell you who you are. Do you know who you are? You are those who were before even time began, were predestined to be the very children of God. That's who you are. What is your purpose? <laughs> you are those who have been called as his own in order to be kings and priests. Not just, not just paupers, not just those scrapping by, kings and priests who walk and who act in his name, to be those, those empowered by his Holy Spirit, to be members of the body of Christ. You are those, if you wonder, how are you doing with this thing? 
well, we're not doing so well. And he's very clear. He says, yeah, you're not doing so well. But you know what? It's not about how you do. It's about what he did. It's about what he did. And he, Jesus did great. And he's inviting you into it. And what's your value? He points us to the cross. He says, you know what your value is to me? You're like that pearl of great price. I would lay it all down just so that you could be released, so that you could be free to be in the relationship with me that you were meant for. That's how much you mean to me. I'm not gonna force it on you. I'm not gonna twist your arm, but I will pay whatever price it takes in order to free you so that you can choose to walk back into that, that you might be restored to that relationship. That's how much you mean to me. You guys, we've never had a voice like that. Whenever we hear the voices of this world, the voices in our head, we know that at worst, they're lies that we're coming up with. At best, they're guesses. But this voice, this is truth. And this is the gospel, the message of peace. And it gives us, man, when that, that, when that message gets in you, when that message starts framing the way that you think and the way that you, when that message gets in you, it gives you a confidence it gives you a steadiness in where you stand. It gives you a steadiness when whatever would come up against you. Why? Because the God part, right? We had the three parts. The God part, you now have peace with God. The me part, there's now this peace with it. I know who I am now, right? The we part. And I've been brought into a community of God's people. And he's breaking down all the walls so that we might know peace. So how do we put on these, these, these shoes of peace? Well, first you need to know this. You know what? In Christ, when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and that transformation and that transaction takes place, and again, don't ask me the math. I don't know how God pulls it off, but he does because he's God and he says, this is what happens. This is established, okay? You don't, there's nothing we can do to add to it. There's nothing we can do to detract from it. He says it's a gift. You receive it, but you are established in a right relationship with God, and there is peace. Now, you may need to grow into what that means, but there is peace between you and God in that moment. There is peace established within yourself. There is a confidence. There is, a, there is an identity that is established in you. It says there's a new creation. It cannot be dwindled. It can't be taken away. It can't be diminished in any way. And it is in you. And there is a peace that is between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ because there is a unity that is found in the spirit and in the person of Jesus. And it's, it's done. So first, know that. The grounding, it's there. But the second part is this. So then we better get our minds and our hearts aligned to it. Because it's in place. We might as well live according to it, right? I mean, just because you don't know that you're, let's say you get an inheritance and you don't know about it. You may be a millionaire. You just don't know it. You're going to probably not live like a millionaire because you don't know about it. Well, know this. God has made you his child in Christ. So now we got to get our minds and our hearts aligned to it. And that's gonna take his word. It goes back to his word. You guys, you're not gonna know what Jesus has done for you 
right? You're not gonna know what he's done in, in relation to the Father and, and what that means for your life. You're not gonna know what he's done in relation to, to others and how to live that out. You're not gonna know who you are in Christ until you go into his word and you let it just soak and just run over you and just that your mind becomes framed by it, by, that your actions become guided by it. So we need to dig into places like in Romans 5, 1, where it says, you know what? The peace of God has been given to us as a gift. We just stand in it now. Romans 5, Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world. Be conformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? We need to dig into these things. We need to let them just, not just settle, be embedded into us. So they change who we are. Philippians 2, Philippians 4, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, I could go on and on and on. But we need to get into God's word. We need to read these passages, study them, let them just, just immerse yourself in them. Soak yourself in them. Carry cards around that remind you what God has said so that if you're, you're, you're standing there going, oh, man, I need some you know, confidence in who I am again. What was that? Where's that verse? That you have it there. You don't have to... Oh, right, right? You ever try to do that? Where's that one verse? I know it's, man, is it, is it old? Is it new? Te- do something so it gets in you so that you just have it with you that the Holy Spirit can call it to mind and put on the shoes because, and then, and then the final piece of this though is so that it gets in your heart and mind, but then do something with it, right? Live it, live it out. These things are true, We've reframed our mind and let it shape our lives. So when it, comes to, when it comes to others, pursue peace with them. Do the things that God has said, right? Practice forgiveness. Practice what it talks about in, in Philippians 2 where it says, count their needs as greater than your own, right? Be, count, do what it says in Ephesians where it says, take off the old stuff, Take off the old stuff like the the division and the strife and the anger and the the gossip and the slander and and take all that stuff off. It has nothing to do with you now. Practice instead. Speak truth. Speak grace. Encourage one another in Christ. When it comes to yourself, the me part, right? Pursue God's plan for you. Know what he said. You guys, they're gonna be, sometimes we think of spiritual warfare as like demons jumping up out of the bushes and it's like, oh no, exorcist is coming out, right? It's coming out, new version. Yay, so glad that's coming back, right? (laughs) And here's this Hollywood produced kind of magnification of what, what spiritual warfare is about, what demons are like. And oh no, we gotta be scared. You guys, the demons that are obvious are not the hard ones to deal with. Do you know why? Because they've made themselves known, and there they are. And then it just becomes a matter of an authority issue, a truth battle. Do you know who you are in Christ? Because if so, you resist them, they flee. They don't sit there and spin their heads around and vomit on you. They don't do that. They flee because Jesus rose from the dead, because he triumphed over death. He stands, and there is no name above his anymore. Okay, those are the easy ones. You know where the tough demons are? Are the ones that are hidden. To sneak around in the shadows and just whisper stuff to you that gets you to doubt your relationship with God of who you are in Christ, doubt who your relationship with others, what that is. Those are the tough ones. That's where most of the battles fought. 
And so you need to know when Satan comes and he pushes up against you and says, nah, you're nobody. And you better have the ability to push back and say, no, I know who I am. And not just I know who I am, but I know where it says who I am. I know what God has said about who I am. I know I'm bought with a price. I know that I've been remade in Christ and it's a new creation. I know that I have in me the very authority of the, of the Holy Spirit dwells in me and the name of Christ seals me. I know who I am. When he says, no, you don't have any value to him. You're kind of one of the worthless. To be able to press back. So act on it. Stand in it. And then when it comes to God, you guys, what, what can we do? What can we do in our lives to reflect what God has established between us and him? You guys, go to God. He, he says he's now your father. It, First John where it says, you know, behold, what kind of love is this? that he would call us his children. What kind of love is that? Well, find out, right? Find out. That means you gotta spend some time with God. Just press in. Just go in and say, okay, you said I call you Abba, which means daddy. It's like the little, a child's name for their, their dad that they've grown up with ever since they've known him. It's been, well, that's Abba, that's daddy. First words of a baby's mouth, Abba, Abba, Abba. That's what it was. It says, we cry out from our spirits, Abba. Wow. So go to him and go to him with praise and with worship to thank him for all that he has done, all that he has given us in Christ Jesus. Amen? You guys, that is the steadiness that we have. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Christ Jesus is the cornerstone and he is putting us in place as those, as a part of his temple, as this block that just won't move or as a part of his army, as someone that has these shoes on that cannot be pushed back. But if we surge forward, we move forward because that's the confidence that we have because he has established peace with God. He's established peace within ourselves. He's established peace within his community. And we have the confidence to stand in this battle. Amen?